What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Sang podcast, where you get to know just a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. <laughs> Today, I am sitting with Ed Danilo yep. of the Bees Knees. That's us. Which is the perfect name. Yeah, that's right. For a honey company that is doing business. That's right. That's right. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, just wanted to talk to you about kind of like the different things you got going on right now. Uh, we've met you. I, I met you kind of like, you know, through uh, some other businesses yep. that, you know, we've done before. And I uh, did not know that you were involved with Honey yep. until uh, pretty recently, mm-hmm. um, probably about a year or two years ago. I yep. uh, saw you at work in a market, uh, yep. you know, peddling the wares, <laughs> if you will. And uh, we've developed kind of like this really great... Um, you know, uh, relationship, yeah. uh, trying to figure out, you know, uh, business and, and growth and that sort of thing and wanted to bring you onto the show. And finally he, we're here. That's right, that's right. So tell for the viewers that are listening in, mm-hmm. uh, and that don't know about bees knees, the yeah. bees knees, tell me about what the company does. Uh, so, uh, initially when we started, it was, a uh, backyard beehive installations. Um, so for those who don't know, beekeeping is an exceptionally expensive, hobby. Um, and me having a, a sales business background. And when I went to my accountant to see if there were any tax write-offs for my small hobby, uh, and said, unless you're selling something, obviously no tax write-offs. Um, so I said, well, we got to change that. So uh, with beekeeping, unless you're have, have lots of hives and produce lots of honey or sell lots of bees or do lots of pollination jobs, that's really your avenue to make money with bees. When you're first starting out, uh, that's not you're not big enough to to venture into those different areas. Uh, so I said, well, let's come up with something to generate income for our hobby, and it was backyard beehives. So we would approach people um, that wanted beehives but were scared of them, didn't want to have to invest the time or the knowledge, and we it's like a lawn care service. We would set the beehives up. They paid for them. Those bees are were theirs. The boxes and whatever honey they produced was theirs it was a zero touch beehive wow. and uh went gangbusters and it was a way for me to fund the business without going to a bank and going hey i'd like to have, be a beekeeper and i need thirty thousand dollars you know um so we were able to self-fund it through how many of these um services did you end uh, up kind of like getting out there into the so initially within the first two years we had 25 or 30. wow um it was it was fast um but it got too big and as our apiary which apiary is a a bee farm, uh, as our personal apiary grew, you didn't have time to service those customers. And then um, a few years into it, I, f- I shaved off half of the customers and gave them to another beekeeper for him to use my model to do, to, to start his business. Right. And um, so now we don't do as much in backyard installation as we used to. We still have a few customers that are grandfathered in. Um, but they're close by. They're here, Bullet County. And so, are there a lot of people that have uh, bees in their backyard? There are. There are. You'd, you'd be surprised at the people that um, um, have two or three hives and have had them for years. More and more surprising is the people who've grown up, 
like when they were kids, their their parents or their grandparents had bees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that the older generation, um, most everybody around in this area was very familiar with bees. Mm. Um, it's not as common as it used to be because um, it's very labor intensive and costly. But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good escape uh, hobby. So um, let's venture down this rabbit hole of bees, mm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when you say expensive, like what is startup cost for a beehive range? Um, like for me, I started with four beehives in 2015, um, and I had $2,000 plus into it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, with suit and extractor and bees and equipment, and um, it was, you know, you... You it's know, a pretty you, penny for yeah for, a for hobby, some honey for a hobby. You know, it's cheaper than a lot of other hobbies <laughs> like fishing or, or golfing. Sure, um, but uh, you know, for to to sell my wife on the idea of uh, hey, I want to be a beekeeper. Was she about it? Uh, she was okay with it. Um, and then uh, honestly, the the thing that's been the most uh, hard to balance is having a full time job, kids, and a hobby business, which sure. the business is is um is got its own legs now and. And I actually brought on another beekeeper a couple of years ago, so there's actually two of us that are the bees' knees, uh, yeah. actually beekeepers. Now it's a it's a it's definitely a family uh, thing. It's you know everybody has their part. Uh, initially, when I started the business, I had two elementary school, middle school kids, mm-hmm. um, and my idea was this could be theirs because um, I I I envisioned what the business could be. Sure. And I was thinking about them when they became teenagers that they could have a weekend job because you could do your beekeeping on the weekends, um, and they they wouldn't have to do what I had to do and start in a restaurant. And, That's right. You know, cut your teeth washing dishes, and sure. um, and I was thinking they could just do this. And um, but the, the they got stung one time, and that was the end of that. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So um, yeah, they still help out with festivals and bottling honey, but the beekeeping part there they don't know no, into no. it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, so that's where the business evolved, and and as we've grown, uh, we're primarily a festival honey uh, apiary now. Um, we we don't really sell bees. Um, we do a few installations, but primarily we're honey. We're we're hitting every festival, and and that's really really where I've met you, and um, and how our business has evolved, and you know, and then you know, fast forward to 2020, you know, we were cranking great, and then. Obviously, COVID hit, and you know, in my head, I'm like, well, you know, bees don't get COVID, so we're, we're buffered. <laughs> sure, festivals do, and our our festivals just, I mean, just our income stream was gone. Yeah, and so we had to get creative during COVID, and um, and and we, actually, we were able to buffer it and think of creative ways to do things, and such as what uh, our biggest thing is, um, we we've uh, partnered with uh, Southeast Bullock and the Band Boosters. And every year they do a big honey sale to raise money for the band. So that's one big thing that we're real active with schools. Uh, we try and help as many schools in the area as we can with either going to festivals or donations or things that we can do. Um, and Southeast Bullock Band really helped us mm. during that first that first real bad festival season in COVID because um, they just went gangbusters and sold honey like crazy. Yeah. Um, and every year, ever since then, we do that, and we've done other couple schools that the SEB has referred us to other county schools that do us for fundraisers. Um, but uh, you know, festivals are back, and and really during COVID, it really kind of um, I saw how the vendors were treated. Um, you know, these festivals would just cancel and take the take the chance of uh, the 
they would take the um, registration fee. Well, they would. They what happened is all the insurance fees. The insurance went up for these festivals. Sure. And I understand where the festivals are coming from. Uh, you know, so if it was a booth fee of ninety dollars, they might have had to have gone up to one hundred and fifty to cover their insurance cost. Um, so their insurance agents were going up on their rates because of COVID. Well, instead of giving the vendor vendors the chance to, hey, I'll just pay the one fifty, you know, to compensate it, they just canceled the festivals. Mm. And you know, there was no government really, you know, support for the small festival community vendor community. So we started saying, hey, we need to come up with like a group of of vendors where we kind of control our own destiny, mm-hmm. and. I'm a, I'm a couple years late, but my, my plan initially was to get every vendor that I know, because we've met hundreds of them over the years, and we start building basically like a co-op. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate goal is for us to have 100 or 200 vendors, arts and crafts, you know, food, food trucks, trips, yep. everything, where we can kind of control our own destiny. So when these festivals pop up, uh, we can go to a festival and say, hey, I got 100 vendors. Yep. But we want a discount. Yeah, you know, you know I know it's Economies normal. Economies of scale. That's right. We'll come in and we'll we'll come in. Well, you, you've, I've got every every type segment you want. We come in. We're not going to pay seventy five. We'll pay sixty. Yeah, per per booth or whatever. And so that kind of leads us into what we've done now is we've got our first festival that we planned. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah Tell so. me about the festival. So we're doing a uh, the grape festival. It'll be August twenty uh, sixth at the uh, Twin Oaks. Uh, vineyards, okay, which is the old winery off of Forty Six, and um, and, and it's um off of uh, Sinkhole Road and and Forty Six. Um, how, how far is that from Statesboro? Uh, it's eight minutes. Okay, um, eight minutes from it's over uh, on the register side. Um, why grapes? Well, uh, so actually Marvin Deal, who's the owner of uh, Twin Oaks, um, he actually is one of my customers for bees, mm-hmm. and I've known Marvin my entire life, and uh. And his family owns Deals Heat and Air, and mm. uh, he loves bees, and he's been a good supporter of our business, and you know, and um, but his bees are out. I've his bees are out there at the at Twin Oaks, mm. and he's it's an absolutely beautiful venue. Mm-hmm. And I've told him, I said, well, we need to have a festival out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's beautiful. I yeah. mean, wide open, flat area. We could pack vendors in. We could have a big festival. Well, the grapes are. He kept, even though the winery is not there, the the vineyard is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and, what winery was there before? Uh, um, I forget the name of it. Um, um, was it Muscadine wine? Yeah, yeah. So like they the would sweet, do right. Yeah, and it went. It it closed up a few years back, and uh, all the winery equipment's gone out of it, mm-hmm. and now it's a wedding uh, and special event venue. That's awesome. Um, but uh, so finally, we're like, you know, let's do it. We've been t- playing around with this for a couple of years. Let's do it. So. Uh, myself and some other vendor friends of ours, uh, and we're in the process of getting it organized now. And the reason we're doing a grape festival is because August 26th is when all the grapes will be ready to pick. Okay. So basically the grapes are the, the anchor for the festival. Okay. So all of our customers or, or patrons who come to the festival um, can pay $10 and go through the vineyards and pick their own grapes. That's awesome. So it's it's uh, free par- free admission, free parking. Uh, there'll be a massive kid zone. It's going to be a, very much a kid family festival. Uh, we've got six bouncy houses, a slip and slide, hay, hayride, live music, um, eight food vendors, hopefully saucy included. Saucy uh, shrimp. That's Let's right. go. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, so it's going to be a, a good time. So yeah. Um, so for the grapes, mm-hmm. uh, they are what type of grapes? They are all, all still muscadine. They're all muscadine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And when you go to this festival, you'll be able to. Uh, it's all you can pick. It's 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 a it'll be a basket. It'll a basket. A, a gallon basket. Okay. Yeah. And then you can pick. How long does that usually take to pick that? Uh, depends on what your energy how, level how, is. Yeah. Uh, how how quickly yeah, you can pick? Yeah, can yeah. you pick? Can you pick it full within like a certain amount of time? I, 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 to no be idea. With you, I've never picked grapes, <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming. Uh, uh, it it I'm assuming you could. That's uh, so much fun. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then I, I'm assuming there's enough grapes to. Oh yeah. The, there's to last acres and acres of grapes. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. What are the grapes doing right now? Like, are there? Is it being produced in any yeah, sort the, of way? So the, so they've already bloomed. Um, the, they've already they've already started producing. So okay. yeah, the the it takes a good couple months for them to mature out. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, describe to me, and you know what I love about this is you, you start by creating kind of like some value uh, for your business, mm-hmm. but then you also figure out a way where you can create a sense of community right. uh, within kind of like the other vendors that, you know, are, are part of the community. And then now you're executing on kind of creating like the infrastructure in which like the, the, the you can bring you know, these vendors uh, to a location right. where it's very much about like, hey, these are the people that, you know, have have gone through thick and thin with me. And now, like, there's this opportunity for them to kind of like thrive. Right. Uh, love the fact that you're, you know, putting on like a festival. That's that's amazing. Where do you think the entrepreneurial spirit comes from? Like, how have you kind of like been able to create um value through the the hobbies uh and activities that you do so i'll tell you i have to give a lot of the credit to my to my upbringing and and just my life story uh you know my family is you know blue collar kid you know we're originally from chicago hence the the name Danello, but we moved here in the in the late 70s when i was little so i've grown up in bullet county uh-huh. um and uh, my first job was, you know, at RJ Steakhouse. And, wow. You know, Randy Neesmith was a tremendous mentor for me. Uh, you know, the the king of entrepreneurship. You mm-hmm. know, uh, a steakhouse, seafood, uh, steak and seafood in in Bullitt County and in Statesboro, and um, so being under him for nine years of my life, and my brother, who was, the, you know, uh, the general manager, who he he also worked there. He also worked there. He's Randy's. Uh, um, um, Son-in-law. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so having them as mentors and just work ethic and, you know, and, and, uh, and it was, it steered me towards, you know, hotel restaurant management as a degree and, yeah. uh, and in college at George Southern. And, um, so it's just all I've ever known is work. And, you know, for, for me getting into, you know, beekeeping, it was, well, it's fun and I, it's relaxing. People laugh at me when I say that, but it is very uh, fulfilling to do beekeeping. But it is also nice to turn a profit. Um, so let's go back and talk about Randy for a mm-hmm. second. Uh, he's one of the um, powerhouses, especially mm-hmm. in the restaurant industry, during a time when Statesboro wasn't really uh, blooming in terms of like the different types of restaurants that were in the area. Right. You know, what do you think about? Um, you know, and you mentioned that he was a mentor to you. Mm-hmm. What do you think made him a great mentor? Um, I, you know, he was the best I've ever seen at customer service and customer relations. Um, I mean, I would have, I was a manager of his uh, assistant manager when I got older, you know, I was still a kid, but, um, and you know, if there was a problem, they wanted Randy Neesmith. Um, and even though I might've had the answers and I could have fixed it, but it was, everybody knew that Randy would fix it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and his, his 
community relations and what people thought of him because he was he is such a, a great man and uh um it was good seeing how there was never anybody who thought ill of of randy mm. which is good and it's like yeah i want to be like randy so um and i've kind of now that i'm 48 you know i kind of pride myself as you know trying to channel that you know, energy hey, what, what are people going to think about me when I'm no longer here. You know, hey, Ed, Ed was a good guy. I know? love that. You know, th- what you're talking about is really rep- reputation, right? Mm-hmm. And and Randy did have a phenomenal reputation. That's right. Uh, in in developing that, and and so I, I guess one of the questions I would have in here is like, you know, I guess how does one shape one's reputation, right? Like this channel is really meant for entrepreneurs that sure. are growing, and and regardless of if you're in beekeeping or whatever industry that you're in, your reputation is That's absolutely right. critical. So how does one well, shape? I'll, I'll tell you, beekeeping is a good example of reputation because, like, we have customers who who pay us to take care of their beehives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't just, you know, so beekeeping is one of those things that really kind of stinks uh, because you have to do beekeeping when the weather is good mm. and it's warm. So mm. it's usually spring and summer and early fall. We're working beehives. Well your kids and your family and your friends are all going to ball games and going to a, going to the park and going on boating trips and it's like well I got to work bees yeah you know so um so reputation and work ethic and integrity are are it's a good example beekeeping is a good example of that because you know my wife you know and my family it's like it might be 11 o'clock on a Saturday I got to go you know I got to go fix Adam's hives yeah there's a problem I got to go check them you know so you know, I've got customers who rely on me to take care of their bees, and um, it's you can't just go. Well, I'll get to it next week because bees don't wait. That's right. You know, you know, bees have a cycle that you know it, it, you're on a timeline. Mm-hmm. If there's a problem, you've got to fix it in a certain amount of time, or you're going to lose the hive. Yeah. Um. So you can't just put it off. I'll get to it next week. So that reputation is is important with our line of work. Yeah. Um. And and with festivals. Sure. You know, if we commit to festivals. You know, whoever's organizing that festival, I can't just go, well, you know, it's kind of a pretty day today. Yeah. I'm not going to go. Or, hey, the weather's not good. I'm not. I committed. I told that festival, you know, organizer we would be there. Um, Our customers are expecting us to be there, you know, and um, there's been plenty of times I'm sitting in 35 degree weather, you know. uh, It's like, oh, oh, man, this weather's horrible for April or whatever. And, uh, you know, there was a festival that, you know, it wasn't 35, but it was, it was like maybe 48 and rainy. And it was like, my feet were wet yeah. and I was sitting in the rain and I was there, you know? And, uh, so it's just, it's all about building that name recognition. And, you know, I tie that back to, um, some, in, in some certain ways, back to the service industry, mm-hmm. new restaurants, right? Like, uh, in a restaurant, our busy days are, you know, your Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's when the business comes in because that's when pe- most people, a majority of people, have the time to go out and eat. That's right. And it creates a position where, like, if you are trying to go out or you, if you're trying to have, like, you know, a life, it's, a di- it's definitely a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think that that experience within kind of like the restaurant industry eventually led you to a point where hey look like you know whatever it takes to get the job done i've personally have started businesses with people that come out of the restaurant restaurant industry simply for the fact that i know if they are successful in the Mm -hmm. restaurant industry that i can rely on them that's right that reliability is huge right being able to depend on someone and i think to a certain extent that has altered 
right? The 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 cu- current culture of people that are working in this day and age right. have started to shift, and you see it in the restaurant industry. I don't know if you see it in bees uh, necessarily, but you know, what do you think has led us to this point, right? Uh, I think to a certain extent, it's it's a challenge that we we are facing right now of like having a labor force that's willing to be dependable. It you know we see it. Um like with our supply chain, mm. you know, you know, you, you you don't think about it, but you know, we have things we have to have for our business: bottles and jars and lids, and you know, and and you know, there were hiccups where it was just like someone we relied on for a key item, like jars. They just up and said, "We're not selling jars anymore." Completely. I mean, put us in a tailspin, and I mean, it was it, it, and as simple as we are, I can only imagine, mm. you know, an operation the size of yours, but. You know, it was jars, and we were. What are we going to do? I mean, we have to have jars. You know, our labels fit a certain size jar. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got thousands of dollars in labels, and now we can't get a Up jar. Up in smoke. Yeah, we're about to hit festival season. We have no jars, and and it was it was a nightmare, and and it was a lot of it was you know these companies didn't have enough employees to make that bottle mm-hmm. or that jar, mm-hmm. uh, and they just cut it out of their their production line. Um, you know the 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 company we bought it from was like we don't have the people to house it or whatever it was and mm. um so work ethic is very important in every aspect of of everything you do and you don't think about it with beekeeping and selling honey but a, a small business like ours we we've had hiccups where we've really had to think outside the box mm. and make adjustments and you know when when I was trying to find another beekeeper cuz I knew I knew what the bees needs was going to be and what my limitations were and um, what I could devote to the business, um, and I said I got to get another beekeeper. You know, I said I, I can't, I can't do all of this. I can't be that ma- one man band with the, you know, harmonica and the drum and the, you know, playing the guitar. And you know, I, I couldn't do it. So, but I went through five or six people that were gung ho. I want to do this, and and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And um, and finally, you know, found you know Carrie Olson and. Um, she was a customer and who I met her through, I met her at a festival and I'm, uh, she, great interest in bees, didn't know anything about them, but had a horticultural background, which was good. Mm. Um, cause I don't. And, um, I met her about three or four years ago as a customer, set up her beehives and, and I said, she hey, wanted just, to learn. And uh-huh. all of a sudden she's like, I'd like to join the team, you know? And, and it was the best thing I've done with, for the business was, you know the the it was hard for as a as the owner and originator of the business it's always hard to go hey do i want to give up some ownership um you know do i want to give up some control or and and income you know split profits and all that good stuff and it's like well it's either give up some give up some control and income or the whole business could fall apart mm-hmm. because it was you know it was growing and growing and growing and you know, I couldn't commit to growing it by myself. And um, so, but but trying to find someone who had that work ethic, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I could not imagine if I had to get 50, you know, keep 50 people staffed mm-hmm. or a hundred or, now the one, the one saving grace I do see is with my, my teenage boys, uh, they're hitting the work market, work, uh, the, the, the employment market now, um, the work ethic is strong, mm. um, so I'm I'm 
I'm thinking in them. Yes. Okay. And, and their friends too. Um, they're a lot of them are just too young to work because you know they're that 14, 15 year old age. Yeah. They can't drive and you know things like that. But um, you know, my 15 year old just started a lawn care service. You know, he really? wants to work. You know, um, but where where does that come from? You know, because I, I I do see it's interesting that you say that because you know at the same time there is you know that your 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 kids are kind of like you know there and work and i have to say that that's probably in their upbringing right mm-hmm. like you have laid down this path of like hey like this is what my role is and this is what i'm going to do in order to achieve that right. goal or whatever it is that you set out to do they see that and they're mimicking it what do you think uh in their kind of like like upbringing are you doing to allow them to have that type of work well, ethic. I think um, you know every every parent wants their kids to be more successful and more educated and have an easier life than they had and and I mean it was you know I had a I had a good upbringing love wise and mm-hmm. family support but you know we were we were lower middle class mm-hmm. and um, and but work ethic was always taught in our household and um, you know it's real easy to look at my kids and my, my kids have it much easier than I had it. Um, you know, they've had a better leg up, you know, with, with gadgets and, and, you know, the first cars and things sure. like that. Um, but you still have to kind of keep it tempered and, and make them understand it's not a free ride. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just cause you want it, you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hey, you're going to have to go cut the grass. You're going to have to, you need to go get a job. And, and the, the thing I did with our boys, the older boys, is there was I'll never forget it. It was like a spring break, um, and they literally sat on the couch for an entire weekend playing their iPads or whatever they had, you know, ten years ago. Um, and I said, nope, this, no. I said, y'all are going to do something. And I said, you have to pick the same activity. The two, two, two of them because they're they're twenty months apart. Okay. I said you have to pick the same activity because I'm I'm not going to be driving you. One to soccer and one to baseball. And yeah, yeah. I said you have to pick the same one. Mm-hmm. You're gonna do it together. And they couldn't decide. And we were sitting eating at a, a Mexican restaurant, and there was a flyer for a dojo. Yeah. I and said, they ended you're up taking martial arts. Yeah. And I did. Both of them want it. They, they didn't want it, but I made them. <laughs> and um, the older boy, Michael, he I mean, he took to it like a fish in water. Sure. And I mean, black belt. Loved it. Yeah. My, my my second, you know, the the younger one, Murray, um, he doesn't really handle like kind of like somebody coming down on him. Sure, you know, he he's he kind of shuts down. And I mean, I had to drag him kicking and squirting. I said, "You're you're gonna fin- you're gonna get your black belt." Yeah. And um, and I've always told them you have to do something, whether it's athletics or a job, and. You have to do something. You mm-hmm. can't just not participate and just sit there idle mind, devil's workshop kind of thing. And uh, so Michael, once he got through karate and he got into, he was old enough to start baseball then. And he both of them went into baseball at, at their schools. And Michael, his he's 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 he'll be a senior next year. He's travel baseball and he works a little bit, but he's he's doing baseball, so he's doing something. And then Murray, he tried baseball and wasn't really for him. And now he started his own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what? You're starting your own business. You're doing something. Yeah. So, um, so that's really – I set that expectation that they couldn't just sit around and do nothing, that you have to contribute 
whether it's babysitting your younger brother and sister or doing yard work. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I gave them the yard. I said, the yard's yours. Yeah. I said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fund you all the equipment you need, but I don't have time to cut the grass, <laughs> you know, and, and put them to work, put them to work. And, uh, it's like the yard is yours. You keep the grass cut, you weed eat, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's really how you set the expectation. And, um, what, what bothered you about seeing them on their iPad for you, for you, like specifically? Um, there was no interaction, no social interaction at all. And, um, with anybody. Um, and it was just literally, they, it was like three days of, I just was like, they've done couldn't, nothing. Couldn't, they've couldn't done take nothing. It. And yeah. you know, it, me as a kid and probably you too. I mean, if the sun was up, you were outside mm-hmm. in summertime or break time, we were outside playing mm-hmm. um we didn't come home until it started getting dark and kids don't do that anymore mm-hmm. you know and uh um and i it just was it just get, something got under my skin i was like yeah. we're not setting this i'm not going to have them the next 10 or 12 years you know as they grow up that's right just just socially and, and you know not, disconnected yes yeah, right you know? so right. i think that's huge i mean know. you know being able to really put a uh stop to it right? right and and not to say that there's anything wrong with technology but i do think that we're in this day and age where we're so driven by what's happening mm-hmm. on, like, on our phones everywhere right like it, it, regardless if you're if you're on the road or whatever it is it's such a important device to us but right. being able to have uh, especially the youth be able to disconnect and also do something maybe productive mm-hmm. uh, i think it brings a ton of value right um Let's get back to back to the bees, if, if yep. you will. Um, you know, one thing that we, we discussed a little bit earlier was finding the right person, right? Mm-hmm. Finding the right person to help you. Uh, and I think that's a critical skill as an entrepreneur, uh, building your business. If you don't find the right people, um, you're not able to really grow your business at all because nope. you're going to be running around doing, you know, all the tasks, everything's on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in reality, as an entrepreneur, you're supposed to be able to paint the vision and, and you know, guide the ship, uh, be able to see where there's danger areas and become creative. Um, what do you look for in, in an inv- individual, right? Like, is there something that, you know, comes to mind of like the, the type of person that you want on your team? Um, so I'll tell you the, what I look for is, um, and what I looked for was work ethic. Um, and it was, it was, it was finding somebody that, that wanted to learn, Mm -hmm. but would also learn in a timely manner, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you, I'm a repetitive instructor. Um, so when I've got somebody, we teach beekeeping too. So if you were a student and you were learning beekeeping from us, I'm very repetitive, I, I say the same things over and over, just kind of drill it in, you know, very subtly, just same thing, same thing. Um, but when I'm looking for a partner or a, or, a, um, or a coworker, but it's really, it's really a partner because we're not big enough. We don't have employees. Um, I was looking for somebody that was, you know, after a certain time, it's like, Hey, you need to go do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to get handled. Mm-hmm. Um, now what's been good about the business is, um, as we've evolved, um, certain people in our, our family or in the business do certain things. Um, so, you know, there's certain things that I primarily do now and there's certain things that like Carrie will do uh, automatically. And then certain things that, you know, um, my father-in-law is Chip Bray, Dr. Bray, Mm. and he likes to spend the money. So our honey house is on his land. So he, I'll say, Hey, we'll have the honey ready to spend and he'll, 
he'll set the spinner and he's great at it, you know. So, um, and that's that's ours that it saves us because he's right there and he can just spin the honey while he's having dinner and it's already ready to go for us the next day. So, um, you know, the kids, my wife, you know, so, um, so really it's work ethic and being able to, me as the originator and the, 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 the visionary, the visionary of, of what the bees knees could be. Um, now that I've, we've kind of delegated responsibilities. The biggest thing is, um, is being, um, open to, constructive criticism or or hey we've been doing this a long time if we do it this way it'll it'll save us time or to be more profitable or we can expand our business or whatever so it's nice having different points of view um we're saying you know okay i can see that you know um you know initially you're like nope we did we started this way we're doing it this way and sure um and i didn't want to be like that with the business because you've got to you know we've with us being primarily festivals you know 75 80 percent of our revenue is festival driven um you you've got to be you've got to reinvent yourself so we've had to add new types of honey or new venues you know things that we we have to kind of step outside the box and bigger venues that we don't didn't normally do um different things that we offered you know um that were bee related Mm -hmm. so um so we've had to kind of get creative and and make sure we're we're on trend with certain as on trend as you can be with honey and bees um but um you know so it's it's been fun it's been fun to reinvent ourselves and um and be kind of cutting edge with with as as we can be with bees and honey what what's been the most challenging part of beekeeping um the time it's it's exceptionally time uh consuming Mm -hmm. um you know having a family and 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 uh and a, and a full-time career, because um, beekeep the, the bees knees is a is a part-time business. Um, so having the time to do it the way I want it to. I mean, if if um, and most beekeepers, I'm 48. Most beekeepers are not. I'm I'm a kid with beekeepers. Um, typically, it's an older hobby, um, and because of the time thing, you know, it's hard to juggle young a young family, a career you know, and, and time with your spouse. And what, what makes it so time intensive? It, it's, it's tough. I mean, you're, you're talking, we have 150 beehives, which is, it, it's not a lot, but it is a lot, but you know, like big apiaries might have 6,000, 10,000. Wow. Well, there's an apiary in Vidalia that has 25,000. Wow. Um, you know, they've got 25 full-time beekeepers, you know, uh, in season. So it's just time consuming because there's so many things you have to do. You're moving hives, you're, you're, you're moving bees. You're pulling honey. You're treating hives. You're flipping boxes. You're you're driving. You know you have to drive from area to area because you can't just put 200 beehives on 10 acres of land. You can't. There's not enough food. Okay. You, know, you can't oversaturate it because there's not enough food for the bees. How many how many uh, beehives can live in a specific area? The rule of thumb is about a, about a hive per acre. Uh, it really depends. You a know, single hive. Yeah. I mean, a single hive can have 50, 60, 70 thousand bees in it. If you know, our beehives are are big. Uh, we run how a lot, big are they? Uh, four or five boxes deep. Wow! On, you know when they're full strength. Yeah. Uh, when they're full of honey, and and uh, now as winter comes, you you force them down. Yeah. Because the bee population dips. There's not as as many bees in the winter time because uh, they don't need them. Yeah. So, um, but you know our beehives are much larger than the average beekeeper because we're we're 100 percent honey driven. Okay. So our bees are kind of just stationary, and we let them go and work their magic and. So once we find a good spot for for bees, we, you know, we'll 
will load that area up and that's where they stay. Yeah. A lot of beekeepers move their bees around for different pollination jobs or they might go up north or they might go out west. We're not set up to do that. So. If somebody want to get into this business, mm-hmm. what advice would you have them? Don't. For them? <laughs> Don't. It's like restaurants, right? I, yeah. feel, I feel like this like, hey. So, every- so it, I have lots of people that want to get into So I'll tell you what uh, technology has done a disservice to is with beekeeping. Um, and it's probably like that with anything. Um, but you you have YouTube and, and, and Facebook and all, you know, Snapchat and Instagram. And it's, oh, you know. Look how easy it is. You know, they turn a knob, they turn a switch, and the honey just flows out of the hive. Yeah. No. That's how it works, right? No. No, come uh, on. And so I usually will. uh, I'm not like a doom and gloom guy. Sure. uh, Because I don't like those beekeepers. But um, I I let people know, you know, hey, why don't you come work bees before you decide? Now, we, we, we have our. If anybody gets bees from us, we have them come work bees with us before they we give them their bees because mm-hmm. you, you can show them the ropes the basics at least you know because you know when I first got into beekeeping I had my four beehives and all of a sudden I had you know hundred thousand bees two hundred thousand bees in four hives you know swarming you know, around and it was you know what do you do um, so like social media and and the internet has really made it look easier than it is mm-hmm. um you know, it's kind of like a cooking show where you know look how easy it is He's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Look. chop 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 and oh, look he took the pie out of the oven it's perfect you know? <laughs> um you know um but um so beekeeping is very much the same way yeah it's it's so i i, I let them know the challenges and you know I'll, I'll tell you a good example is um my first year winter time is usually when you lose beehives you know they'll they just don't make it i mean they're animals you yeah. know things will happen yeah you know so I had about I had sixteen beehives after my first year. Okay, I started with four, but I split, caught swarms. You know, all of a sudden I had sixteen beehives. That's where the expense comes in because all of a sudden you've got to buy more equipment and you know. So uh, your initial investment really is just the initial investment. Now you're buying boxes and you're buying this and you're expanding because bees aren't goldfish. They don't stay where they're at. Yeah, you know they don't they they grow. Bees make honey and they make bees. That's all they do. That's yeah. their whole life. Well, they don't just go, hey, you know, Adam did a good job for us. We got these three beautiful boxes, and they're painted, and they've got decorations on the outside. There's Look at the beautiful orchard out front. We're fine. Yeah. No, they keep making bees, they make honey, and they swarm. Sure. Okay? So there's nothing worse than a young for a young beekeeper when you come home from work and you look up in a tree, and there's $200 worth of bees sitting up in a tree because oh, they swarmed out of your hive. Yeah. Um, so you have to put them in a box, and all of a sudden – you had one hive and now you got two and then yeah. you make it through winter you got to split your hives and then you had two that came out of winter now you got four uh so it's it's anyway so i had my 16 hives or so going into winter my first year it was 12 i had 12 hives i go into winter and the guy that taught me beekeeping he was like you're gonna have hives that die <laughs> not me uh-huh so i'm good yeah now mind you i'm first year beekeeper sure sure like, i was like no mine are all strong yeah healthy yeah and man, I had my strongest hive just mm-hmm. die. Why? Dead. Moisture hive. It, it took on some moisture and just in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. Moisture's a so wintertime. Wintertime here is bad for bees because of the moisture because we have so much humidity and we have mild winters. Mild winters are bad mm-hmm. um, because they they eat all their food. So there's nothing for them to eat. So you have to feed them in the wintertime. But that being said, I, it was like I lost my dog. Yeah, I was heartbroken that I lost that beehive. It was, yeah. and I let people know that. You know, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, 
you're going to have a beehive that dies. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't want to start with one hive. You want to start with two or three. Uh-huh. Um, and they go, well, I'm just going to get one. Like, you, you, you're going to have heartbreak. Yeah. The odds of that one hive surviving as a first-year beekeeper is slim and none. So have a couple so you can fix mistakes and you have resources to fix things. And um, But uh, so once they've, they're dead set on it, say, okay, well, you need to come learn the basics. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, that's where we, we mentor them as best we can. and, and uh, Set them off. Set them off Yeah, you know, to the world of beekeeping. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, media – uh, mm-hmm. about you know the importance of bees for pollination correct um is that something that we as a community still need to be conscious of is that something that it, is really prevalent it, it, it very much is i, I went to a, another beekeeper friend of mine in metter um i went to one of his classes and he had a guest speaker there who was a old-time beekeeper from pennsylvania or somewhere you know big big apiary and um and the things that are being put in our food um, by the companies, mm-hmm. um, things that are that are in that are now in nature that are not that are not natural that are man-made mm-hmm. elements that are really wreaking havoc on the on the on the ecosystem. Mm. Um, and you know, he he brought up a good point. He said, "When was the last time you were riding down the interstate and you just hit?" big pockets of insects you you don't you don't because the things that they're putting in the in the pesticides are, are, and the herbicides mainly are wiping out the insects and what it is is i forget the name of it and forgive me i'll have to get back to you on it but there's a chemical they put in it and it it really targets um um hive insects and it makes them to where they don't they don't know how to coalesce together mm-hmm. so like bees and termites and ants and things like that that have to have a central structure sure. to survive sure you know a bee by itself is useless yeah what makes a bee formidable is there's 50,000 sisters yeah you know there's they're all women um so we call them girls or, or sisters um aside from the drones but uh so if, if they're not coalescing and and, and a strong collective they're they're really insignificant and, and can't survive mm. um so if you start messing with with the way bees can communicate and um and how they feed and how they survive it, it it'll mess them up so that's where that's that's where the the theory of hive collapse is coming from is the pesticides and the herbicides are so detrimental now mm-hmm. um to the to the ecosystem for for mainly bees you know, without bees, we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so if it's if it's a fruit or a vegetable, it's good chance it was a bee that made it grow. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you start taking the bees out of the ecosystem. You know, I, I've got a lot of customers that come and buy honey. They're like, you know, I don't I don't see bees in my garden anymore. Yeah. It's just because they're not around anymore. That's right. Um, and you know, if there's not bees in your garden, there's not any for three miles because they'll travel for three miles. Um, so so it's been. Our business has been good because we've got people that put beehives. You know, it's it's really neat because you uh, you'll have someone say, "Well, everybody's got their own thing. Why they want bees?" Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the people who the 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 naturalists, the green people. I want bees because they're so valuable to our ecosystem. Yep. Okay. They don't really care about anything else. They want to have bees so they know they're doing their part for nature. Okay. Um, then you got the people. I, I'm a honey person. I want the honey. Yeah. Um, you got some people, it's like, I just think it's exciting. You know, I, I think it's so neat what they do. So you've got all kinds of walks of life. And it's really cool because, like, beekeeping, 
um, religious orientation, social orientation, political orientation, it's all gone. Mm. It's about the bees. Yeah. And that's what's really cool about beekeeping is it's – it's very much a, just a collective. We're doing good for humanity. You that's know? right. That's so, right. Yeah. What's the future of the company look like? Where do you hope to take it? Um, you know, the, uh, I, I think the next venture for us is is getting the getting the festival um, co op going because um, I think we want to kind of start having our own festivals that we're kind of organizing. Sure. Um, because like for us, um, we've kind of maxed out what we can physically do festival-wise, because um, there's only so many weekends in a, in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so many of us that can do we, – we can pull off two big festivals in the same weekend, mm-hmm. um, kind of like food trucks. You know, sure. how, many, how many festivals can you do, how That's many right. events? Um, we can pull off three if one's a small one. Mm-hmm. But then you have to start relying on a labor force, you know, because like myself – Either my wife can handle a festival, or I can handle a festival, or our partner can handle a festival. But some festivals, you have to have two or three people there. Sure. Um, and so, really, festival-wise, we're probably maxed out. Um, we're probably going to start doing some bigger things, like the like the SEB Band Boosters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big event for us. Um, so, starts thinking creatively uh, with the honey. But I think the next venue for the next uh, avenue for us would be um, would be starting to organize festivals um mm-hmm. because we want to the great festival is going to be big for us um i think it's gonna be big for the community it's gonna be good for vendors yep. um and we're we're basically using it to get um a network because we've got vendors signing up from all over the area and our ultimate goal is to be able to go to a, say a small town in the area and say hey why don't we start doing a festival i love it we got 50 60 vendors all we need is a space, a park, whatever, That's right. and we'll advertise. What are, what is your town known for? You know, okay, we're known for whatever, yeah. collard greens. We'll <laughs> do a collard green festival. You know, um, so uh, we'll do something that that little town is orga- uh, known for. That church or that uh, whatever, and we could even do it like, hey, we're going to organize it around say um, a charity. Sure, you know, we could say, hey, let's do a big big festival, and a certain portion of the proceeds go to you know. United Way or, or a local charity or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and we can start doing that. So, like with with this festival, Grape Seed, or the uh, Grape Festival, um, uh, there's a new coach at at State's High School for the baseball team, mm-hmm. and he was like, we had the parent meetings, like, hey, I'm looking for ways for the boys to earn money for the team. I called him, I said, hey, got it. We're gonna hire you guys. Um, to, so there'll be the there'll be thirty of the State's High baseball team guys out there for the festival. They'll be manning the wristbands for the bouncy houses. They'll be parking cars. Um, they'll be there to help set up and break down tents, and they'll take donations. Yep. So they'll have a booth that they can accept donations for the baseball team. And, and uh, so we're trying to do as much as we can for the community. You know, with uh, we, we really like to help schools. We're big with the public schools. So uh, I think you know, entrepreneur has an entrepreneur has different ways that that uh, business kind of like shows itself to the world. Uh, what's great about your story is that there's so much good that comes from it, right? Regardless of if it's from the bees or if it's from this festival or, or whatever it is that you do, I think there's the intentionality behind it that really wants to just put good into the world. Sure. Uh, business is business, right? The business has to make money. The business has to, <laughs> you know, be able to kind of like move. But I think outside of what 
the money, I think that the good that an entrepreneur can do is really being able to show the world what you know, a business can offer. And you know, what's fascinating about your story and everything that I've heard today is really like that you are doing that specific thing of putting good into the world. So for that, I thank you. Thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you for sharing kind of like your experiences. And uh, we'll be looking forward to getting down and dirty with the bee's knees. That's right. right. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.